Since flip phones, I was trying to slide. Go bananas, trying to be the apple of your eye. Real shit, baby. Got me stressed on vacation. No escape. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 78. Two more away. Two more away from the big 80. Uh, we are 22 away from 100, reaching triple digits. So it's, 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 we're getting down to the wire. It's exciting. Uh, my name is Andrew Diaz. I am your host. I'm joined by Brett Castle, uh, my producer and co-host, uh, via Zoom. Today we have a Brett's question and an interview with a friend of the show who's who's been on in the past, Burrito Mac. We talked a little bit about his TikToks, a lot about the Vikings draft, and uh, we even got it. We talked a lot about the Bachelor and how uh, how he got into it and stuff like that. So uh, stay tuned. It's a great interview with him. I love talking to him. He's great. So. We're going to get into this Brett's question. Brett, how are we? AJR is performing now. They are? Are they just, yeah. they're probably just going to do bang, I bet. I would assume so. I'm good. How are you, Andrew? I'm good. Today is not Sunday. Today, yes. No, no, no. So we're not, we're recording this Tuesday night. Um, so what is your question? All right. So I texted you this earlier. Um, so we're a fan of wrestling, but. They have these sports at every Ivy League school. If you are going to an Ivy League school, okay, what do you think about students going to an Ivy League school with the intention of participating in sports for the rest of their life? So, the word intention, like, like that word's important. Like, obviously, you can't predict, like, you're going to be a professional football player. So you're saying somebody with the, the their sight. Well, Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake's to me in wrestling his whole life. He wasn't going out. He knew, like, I'd assume he would think or want to be in wrestling forever. Yeah. But you're still going to a school that doesn't have a sports scholarship. Like, you have to be a smart kid all throughout high school. Yeah. Put yourself through that. Well, so are you saying, like, I, with wrestling it's tough because guys will continue to wrestle and stuff, I think. I, I look at it more when you say this, like a guy that wants to play in the NBA or the NFL. Are you saying somebody that has their sights set on going to that league, like as their main priority at an Ivy League school? What do you mean? Like they can still graduate and then go. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, are you, uh, what, the way you're asking the question, because it's tough with wrestling, I think. Like you can continue wrestling out of college, but NFL, Well, I'm saying if, if you're playing basketball at an Ivy League school, but you still continue if you're, but then you hope to like get picked up in the, uh, by the pros after college. That's what I'm saying. Even if you're like, even not even graduating yet. And there's like probably- playing early for the draft. Yeah. Um, I mean, at an Ivy League school, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for you to declare early for a draft or to, or like Duke. Like Duke's a good one, I would think. But that's not an Ivy League school, it's different. I, okay, maybe not Ivy, but at least highly academic. I, I still look at it different, though. I mean, if you're at a, a Yale versus a Duke or Stanford, like Duke, because you're also playing with two different levels of competition, Duke and Stanford and a, a Northwestern. It's Division One A Power Five sports versus an Ivy League school where, like, your primary to go there is education. And I think with Ivy League schools there – your goal is getting an education at a division one school. That's a division one, a power five. Your main goal is to win games while also getting your education. So 
I was just trying to not use wrestling as the pure example. Like, let's just stick to wrestling then. Like, there's probably a lot of kids that went to Cornell that, or Cornell, um, name others for me. Uh, and now, like, Harvard. kids are coming out of Princeton um, that are going to those schools with the mindset of continuing afterwards and then once they're done competing, go into a coaching role. I mean, I don't think it makes a lot of sense if you're at an Ivy League school to just go become a coach, right? Or continue wrestling, in my opinion, unless you're a Kyle Dake uh, caliber wrestler or you're a uh, one of the Dean brothers, like if they had stayed at Cornell. Um, I, uh, unless you're to that level, then continuing wrestling and not utilizing your degree from a Harvard or from a Cornell or Princeton or Brown seems like a bit of a waste because it's also not a sport like football or basketball where you can, where the majority of the people on your roster are on scholarship. So, I mean, most of the time you're getting a financial aid or you're paying out of your pocket for it. So unless you're a real high caliber guy that think you can make a world team out of an Ivy league school, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. All right, let's flip it then. We're saying it doesn't make sense. Why do you think they choose that option? Well, because they love the sport, obviously. And like, I, I respect their love for the sport. But it, there does become a time where you have to kind of let go. And I, I, I almost say like grow up a little bit with it because when if you keep holding on, unless you find yourself in a cushy head coaching job at a school where you become the head coach at like a Michigan or at a, or back at your alma mater. Well, yeah, but that, that's after the fact. I'm saying why in high school would you decide to take that avenue? What do you, what do you mean? Like, if you're a high school student, why would you want to go to an Ivy League school? Because you're going to get a good edu- education at an Ivy League school. Like, it, it's a it's a correct. Cool. But, but why why is that education important? If you're if you're my there are kids where they're my you're, you're going into college. You obviously think you're good enough to make a world team, but you're also going to go to a Yale or or not a Yale, a Princeton or a Harvard because the education is good. And you want that to fall back on good saying what you want to do in high school is very different from your reality of what is going to happen in college. Cause lots of, right. lots of kids go in and say, I want to make a world team, but I'm going to go to Cornell to wrestle, or I'm going to go to Brown because it's a good education. It's something I can fall back on when this, if this doesn't work out and it doesn't work out for about 90% of these guys, probably more. Correct your mindset changes, but the mindset in high school is more important because that's the mindset that's like. I don't agree. Why don't you agree? That's the mindset that's making you to go to that school. It's about maturing. It yes. So you pick to go to that school. You're also when you pick to go to an Ivy League school, you're picking the more mature option because you know the education you are going to get, the jobs that it holds after college. You're not going to get. You're going to get a better job than a kid that graduates from Rutgers a better job than a kid for that graduates from Maryland at the time. I don't want to use the term mature. I think passion because, well, let's just say a kid who has a passion. I know I'm, I know I'm saying my point is someone who wants to go straight to like a professional sport after college. Let's just say someone's passion is law. Obviously you want to be at the top caliber of that law. So, okay. So if your passion is law, 
and you have an option between going to the Rutgers Law School or the Harvard Law School. Correct. I was just steering away from saying someone's not mature going to a different school. But that's the mature pick. It's a, When you're making a choice like that, it is the mature pick. You may not want to use that word, but that's what it is. But then there, okay, so stay away from Ivy for a moment. Then there's guys, very smart people like Brian Snyder, one of the coaches in Nebraska, who got a doctorate and is still a coach right now. I'm not saying that there's not a right, wrong thing to do. It's just an interesting conversation that these guys decide to go that route and get go through academics as long as possible to become, to get all their degrees and then stay in the sport that they have a passion in. It's that's, just- that's different though, because like I said, I mentioned it before, he fell in, he has a head coaching role at a power five school. A lot of guys stay around as maybe an assistant coach. Um, and that doesn't pay the bills for you. If you're an assistant, even at a division one program, to pay off your student loans at that point. So that's where I, a lot, not everybody, there's very limited college coaching jobs. Um, So if you want to stick around as a coach, it's very tough. And there's very low turnover in college programs when it comes to the head coaches. No, I know it's a different situation. That's why I'm saying there's no right or wrong. Yes or no. I'm just saying it's, but but it's like, I know it's not, there's no right or wrong, but it's a question. Like that's, I think it, it doesn't, I don't know. I just don't think it makes a that lot of That part time. wasn't me asking a question. That was just saying it's interesting for the people to take like the Brian Snyder route who All go. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, but that's, it works out like that works out. You get your doctorate. Like that's good for him. It works out. That's one guy. There's probably a bunch of other college coaches that have their doctorate across every sport, but for everyone right. that has their doctorate, that's tried to go to coaching 95% of that probably hasn't worked out for a lot of the guys. Or women. I feel like you see a lot of, I still see a lot of people not following their degrees though. Like they still try to like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of guys go into college with the mindset of wanting to be part of that sport for a long period of time. And then once they graduate, they don't follow up on that degree. But it's happened a good amount. It's very different for a lot of sports, though, too, because with wrestling, there's a lot of clubs you can join after. There's a lot of stuff you can do to continue to compete with football. It's very you're either going to the NFL or you're playing in the CFL, the uh, Arena Football League. But long term, that does not pay the bills. And a lot of these guys do follow up on their degrees because a lot of them are business majors or communications majors. Lots of them get into real estate and stuff like that where they do find a way to follow up on their degree with something that they used. Same with basketball, unless you're playing in the U S and the NBA or playing over the seas in China or Europe, though you're not really going to be paying the bills. So a lot of them fall back onto a degree if they stayed all four years at their college. Sure. Yeah. All right. You good? Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's interesting. Like there's, such it's just fun to see when there's such high level athletes at these Ivy schools that they really don't have to fall back on those um, those degrees when they're pretty much sometimes set for the rest of your life. So sometimes you're kind of thinking, why put yourself through all of this to stay in a sport? 
but I know we're saying for a, a lot of IV athletes, answer. a lot of athletes aren't set for life. Even if you do go that Duke or Stanford, or Correct. I'm uh, saying a lot of it's a one percent that will admit, sign a contract of endorsement, a contract with a team or a contract for an endorsement that won't have to work for life and can stick around the sport. That's why the other 99% revert back to their majors and have – they may still compete but still run a business because they were a business major. They have a side hustle and can do other things. Yeah. True. I'm just saying those that 1% still exists. But that 1% is very unrealistic. It's, it's realistic to a point where you could fall under the 1%, but it's very unlikely. Correct, but you still don't know where your reality is going to stand. Like, let's just say you're even going to a lower level school and that's still your intention. Like, it's still funny to see how many, like, your life kind of, I don't know. Now my question's kind of changing a little bit, but you're kind of like making decisions going off of sports, even though I don't know if that's always the smart thing to do. Like even changing where you are geographically for sports, even though you don't exactly know how that is going to pan out. Well, yeah. I mean, the biggest, what we're seeing with Stanford is a lot of kids debating on if they should transfer to another school to continue their athletics or stay at the school that they're at, which is Stanford to continue getting a top-notch education. Those kids pick the sport that they, the school they wanted to go to, being Stanford when they committed because they were getting a, a good education and a division one athletic experience. Now they're caught between academics and athletics. Yeah. It's up to the Griffith thing. He's still planning on graduating this summer and then uh, going to a different school for his master's. Still going to U I probably UNC I'd imagine. I'd imagine. Um, I believe. Huh? I said it makes sense, a good fit for him too. It just depends if he if he's still staying at one sixty five, then he might go to a Penn State or something. But if he's still planning on bumping up to what? I'm saying if he was a Penn State, that would be nuts. That would be nuts. But that's where his girlfriend goes. That's where he was originally planning. If he before he made the decision to go to UNC or thinking about going there, he was planning on still remaining at one sixty five. When he realized he might be going to go up, that's when he kind of crossed off certain schools off his list, including like a Penn State because they have a national champion there. Yeah, that's a definitely would be a tough, uh, bra- uh, tough lineup for him to crack if he tried to go seventy four at Penn State. Correct. Uh, t- pretty much an impossible bracket for, uh, roster for him to make. I don't know about that. For all we know, if he went 174 this year, he would have won. We saw him win at 165, being the guy who we, who many predicted to win the whole thing. Yeah. Well, that was partially, I think, because Marinelli sucks when it comes time for the tournament. He's one of the worst tournament wrestlers probably ever. It's his peak a little too early. He really does. He, it was always he'd beat Vincenzo or, or he'd like roll his way to the Big Ten t- uh, title. And then, that was his peak, and then he just started running out of steam. Yeah. But which is a bummer because he Marinelli works so damn hard. He just it's so it's so disappointing to see a guy like him never reach the top of the podium at NCAAs. It's crazy that he's oh I want him to win one, but I don't want him to win one. 
in the sense of I wanted it, I wanted to win one, but I wanted Chandler to win. There were always guys you wanted to root for more than Marinelli at that time. Yeah, even this year, like I want him to win one. It's awesome to see uh, Griffith win, and I like storyline more. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. It was he was never my he was like always the second favorite. It was like, well, if this guy gets eliminated, that we I want to see win, then maybe I'll root for Marinelli. If he put on a Penn State singlet, maybe my decision would change. Yeah, it's kind of crazy seeing how massive Imar is that him and uh, Marinelli were the same weight class. I see, yeah. Imar yeah. looks massive, or looked massive when he wrestled at 65. Yeah, there's a lot of guys like that. Like, DK does not look 57 to me. No, no, I, not at I, all. His shoulders are humongous. Yeah, it's crazy. He's 160 pounds, probably. Like, as yeah. a college kid, like – the, the we have kids on our t- receivers bigger than him on our team weight wise that maybe weigh like 170 but they're nowhere near his is like uh, which is just outrageous that he has that yeah even like very short but like even like a nato his yeah. like a fucking rock at 125 that nato was the perfect example of just defying physics for his size yeah, I remember when Flo posted a picture of him, and it was – it might have been his whole body, but it might have been, like, waist up. And I was asking a lot of people, like, guess this person's weight. And I don't think anybody guessed, like, below 165. <laughs> he doesn't look it at all. No, obviously a picture is deceiving because you don't know how tall he is. But even by height, he looks 140. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think he'd be, like, a 41-pounder. Yeah. But that will wrap Brett's question up. We've got the interview with front of the program, Burrito Mac, up next. All right. Now making his second appearance on the show, uh, fellow Viking fan, uh, Burrito Mac. Mac, what's going on? Not much, man. How are you? Uh, not, not too bad. I'm doing good. Um, the draft's over. It's my, probably my favorite time of the year is – one of my favorite weekends of the year, I should say, is uh, draft weekend. So – and uh, with the past few years, Minnesota's kind of lucked out with uh, some big-time draft class, and I feel really good about this one. So I don't know how you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely an underrated, like, weekend. I look forward to it every year because I think it's kind of like a little in-betweener between, you know, the end of the season and then the start, obviously. Um, I I mean, I did like the draft, and I hate to be – I think we're always – uh optimistic with everything that happens with the vikes and stuff like that that's just kind of how it goes and but i mean i really liked the draft i mean it didn't i don't think it really went the way i anticipated it going but all in all i mean i like it and every other analyst says it's a great draft so i kind of like the way it went honestly yeah so the first pick i was thinking we were picking at 14 that was the plan I was thinking Vera Tucker was going to be the pick um, to play guard and then move Cleveland out to tackle. But now you trade back with the Jets and you pick up what, – what, what Spielman loves doing is picking up picks on day three. Um, he'll, yeah. he, if he could, he'd take all of them. But uh, yeah. you trade back and you get Darasaw, who, I mean, they were talking about taking. I still think Vera Tucker would have been the pick if they stayed at 14. But 
Um, I, I think it's a great pick. But I did you hear the news that they were thinking if Fields had dropped to them, they were going to take him? They did. I've seen that they've kind of talked about that. Like if the Vikes also love like the uh, best available, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I mean, that like literally it fields at 14 would have been, you kind of have to Yeah. kind of like with what, you know, you don't know what's going to play out with Kirk. He's got like one. And then this is kind of like his last year of like no more excuses yeah, definitely. And I personally, I personally, I'm a huge Kirk stan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to fight tooth and nail to protect him like every Sunday against my fiance's words and uh, everyone else that I, all my buddies and stuff aren't really huge fans of him. But we, with him, we got, he's doing exactly what we knew what he was going to do. Like, yeah. I don't understand what people don't see with that. Like, he's doing exactly what we knew he was going to do. So I don't, I mean, I, I like him, but yeah, back to the draft. I mean, uh, Christian back at, what did we, did we end up picking 23? 23? Ended up getting the 23rd pick. That draft value is unreal. Getting him back there. He, we, we got him for cheaper and all that. I mean, it was a really good pick, honestly. The biggest thing too with that is uh, when you saw the Raiders take Leatherwood, which is Leatherwood was probably like a second round pick. Seeing yeah. that and knowing that, like, because you knew, I think you knew they'd go either like edge rusher or tackle, and for them to take Leatherwood and just completely reach, and then the teams in between, you weren't sure who they were going to go with. For him to, for Darasaw to fall to that point is just unreal. Yeah, I mean it was awesome, and then uh, just like going back, I mean, I I really wanted you know that second round pick, but. Mm-hmm. The way the draft went, I mean, I don't see us not getting anyone that we anticipated or wanted to get. I mean, yeah, it literally so many picks that they had the Vikes picking or whoever, whoever was on the radar, like the Vikes got, honestly. Yeah. And it was crazy to do that with no second round picks, which is unreal. It's nice when you, you don't have a second rounder, but you have three fourth round picks and all of them fall into positions that you need. Like with uh, the, the Kellen Mond pick, I was super surprised about, but I like it a lot more after the fact. In the moment, I was not a fan of it. Um, no, because of like who was available, but seeing how the draft turned out, I'm more okay with it. Um, and knowing that he'll probably be the guy in two years or maybe even a year that's going to be at the helm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, for him to, you know, get years on the bench, I mean, look at, I mean – I literally see Patrick Patrick Mahomes like right there. He's gonna sit a couple years mm-hmm. and then just come out, and no one's gonna know him. I mean, I think it'll be huge because I mean, was he was he a four year starter at A and M? Yeah, he was. It, it felt like he was at A and M forever. Uh, <laughs> I know, like he was there for like a couple years. He didn't really know about him, and then last year he had some huge games, and he has a yeah. huge arm. He, I think it was, was he like the last QB to beat uh, Joe Burrow? I think so. Um, Yeah, I think they beat him um, Burrow's first year at LSU. Yeah, so, I mean, that's – I mean, he, you know, plays big games, and I think he's just as good as all these others. It's just A&M didn't really ever have, like, people around him either, too. But I don't know. I mean, my my favorite pick in the draft is Wyatt Davis. Yes, yes. I mean, that – I wanted him – I wanted him in round one. Yeah, that was the – 
he was like a projected, I think, during midway through the college season. Yeah. He was projected to go to the Vikings at 14 or like wherever they were going to pick. So for him to drop back to the third round and fall right into our laps is unreal. So I think I just looked kind of before this. He had a, I know he had a knee injury Mm -hmm. and then he actually, it was like a weird injury, but he like had, I didn't even know he had surgery after the season. And stuff like that. And like his pro day was not as good as they hoped. But um, there's like two things out of that. Like the dude played hurt all through the year. So, I mean, you got there's your toughness scale. And then it's just, I mean, he he healed up and he's like the same player. You know, I don't really care about the pro day. If like I've seen him play and you can and like, you know, he can play. If there's questions about him and he has a bad pro day, that's where you become concerned. But. If the guy's a player, you, you, you don't really care. And like you yeah, said, he's pro, super tough, yeah. and that's what you need. Yeah, pro days Yeah, pro days are kind of useless. And now, yeah, I saw they had like two pro days for people this year. It's just unreal. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, getting him is just – I mean, that's a day one starter. In what Did we get him in the fourth or the third? Third. He was the third third rounder for us. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a day one starter, which is mm-hmm. – you can't even put a price on that. 78 they took I, I like this pick a lot to fill in I, I mean I, don't, I think where Eric Wilson was playing last year will rotate between uh Troy Dye and now Chaz Surratt um, yeah at that outside linebacker position I we need to get Troy Dye off the field um, you're not a Troy Dye guy no dude I mean it's one he had like I think I don't know if it was just bad timing whenever I was watching that specific hmm. play and it was him like I don't even know. He easily had more missed tackles than made. And then it just bugs me too. It's just a little thing. He doesn't wear any swag. Oh, like no. Nothing that's right. on his Sometimes arms. like just no one gloves. Arm even taped fingers or. Yeah. Or taped fingers. I think he does. And then it's got to be something because his brother is a running back. at Oregon. And he, yeah. So it's got to be just something there, but I don't know. It's just little things that I'm nitpicking, but. Um, I would love for, yeah, Chaz to kind of come in and, like, be that, you know, that outside. And then I didn't, he played QB at North Carolina and then moved to linebacker. Which is crazy. Which, like, I mean, I guess if you – it kind of helps him understand the offense that he's going against. So, I mean, I kind of like it. It was – I didn't see that coming. But then I looked, like, a lot of the guys we drafted – uh, like we're like four-year players at college and like they're moving in. So they're kind of like hoping they'll like maybe be like those day one help and stuff like that. Because I mean, to be honest, we're people kind of think we're, you know, like in a win now, like Super Bowl or bust. Um, I don't really know which way we're going with that because we're one of the youngest rosters in the NFL too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that, but I think our, window is like right here and like I said earlier like there's no more excuses for Kirk with the defense we have coming back and then I mean the offensive line that's like all I said was we need to give him as much time as possible and he'll make the throws that we need so that's what um, and they're building around him which is yeah which is pretty nice but the thing with like people thinking we're like Super Bowl or bust right now I think that's tough is because of how good the young guys play like how good yeah. Dantzler was last year, how good Jefferson was, how helpful Cleveland was, and and like the rest of the guys, like a Madison is pretty good. Dalvin Cook is a top two running back in the league. I yeah. I, I still think so. 
it's tough when all those guys are still really young and people think that it's Super Bowl or bust. And I think that with the same the draft class this year, you're going to have a lot of guys that are coming in that are going to be day one starters or at least rotating in with uh, with uh, veterans. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't – one of my buddies was like, yeah, I mean, we're going to rebuild in like a year or two. And I was like, I, I have no idea like where you're coming from right there. Yeah. Um, because I just think, yeah, like you said, like – we're just keep piling on these draft classes that we get surprises out of it. Like even, I mean, last year I was like, why did we draft Jefferson? Why did we yep. uh, draft Dantzler and stuff like that? And like, now they're like two of our like key, you know, key players that we're building around, which is just, I mean, if we keep doing that and drafting, which I love how everyone doubted Rick and everything like this being like his last year, blah, blah, blah. Or like people need Zimmer gone, but like, they keep producing and like the NFL, it's not easy. Like right, that's, right. That's how it is. And I know it's like you need to win championships to like keep your job. But I mean, I think I like what they're doing. So, but I can understand if people are like, you know, stressed about not getting it, but we've had how many years of this and we still don't have a championship. I don't think it's just the coaching or staff. Um boosted the D-line in the draft and in free agency too, um, drafted Janarius Robinson, drafted Patrick Jones the second. And I think my favorite pick of the draft was Twyman at, in the sixth round because he – I think a lot of the guys that opted out for the year really – the only one that didn't get hurt from that – or the only two were Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. Um, other than that, like Michael Parsons I think could have been a top five pick if he doesn't opt out. Twyman could have been a top a top two round pick if yeah. he doesn't opt out. And he I, I, I really like the way the D line is going to be unfolding for next year because you bring back a healthy Daniil Hunter, you bring in Dalvin Tomlinson, you bring back Michael Pierce, who opted out, and then you've got Wonham, who was pretty much your primary edge rusher last year as a rookie who played really well. So I think the D line is definitely going to be the the focal point of the defense. Like it is uh in past, like it has been in past years. Yeah, I mean, well, then like Weatherly too, like a guy coming back that just knows the system. Yep. And I think um, the amount of work that DJ got last year, um, that's going to look good. Like he was a surprise last year too from the draft. And then, yeah, Twyman, I mean, he's like, he's been compared to like Aaron Donald. Yeah. I know that might be like, from, he's maybe from Pitt or whatever. And it's weird how the Vikes are obsessed with drafting guys from Pitt, but it's working. It's unreal uh and i he's getting those comparisons and that's like yeah like if you're ever in that same company as aaron donald i mean dominant um but i mean like that the generis robinson already gonna call him j-rob obviously uh i'm excited for that and it's we boosted we like you said earlier too like we filled everything we needed yeah and now we'll have some money coming back with um we're, we're getting money from some contract thing with Kyle Rudolph's contract from letting him go. And I mean, we can, we can sign more depth or even maybe even a starter who knows. Cause I was surprisingly enough, we didn't draft a corner. So, I mean, they must have something in the works with the free agent or something. I really hope it's not Richard Sherman, but I mean, I've take Breland visited yesterday or a couple days ago. Rashad Breland visited, which isn't bad. I mean, if your one-two is Pat Pete and uh, Cam Dantzler, it sucks with Gladney that he's probably 
not going to be back in a Vikings uniform, but yeah, we got to love to see Dantzler and Gladney as like your one, two for the next however many years. Yeah. I mean, dude, if we, if Patrick Peterson has 70% left in the tank, that's plenty enough for an NFL roster and like what we need out of them, because we'll have to see, uh, what is it? Xavier Woods from Dallas. Yep. Um, yeah, t- t- tough couple last years, but I think he's a big system guy and like he knows that. And I think Zimmer knows him too. So I think we're going to, I mean, I just, I hate how excited I am and how optimistic I am just because of what we go through. But I mean, I don't know. I'm really excited. Year after year, you, year after year, you need to be prepared to be hurt. Because I remember last year, I was when they started off so slow. I was like, "All right, it's Trevor Lawrence time. Just tank for the number one pick." Then we start winning, and it's like, "Oh, we're in reach of the playoffs." And then you get blown yeah. out by New Orleans on Christmas, and it just all goes right down the tank. I know. Yeah, last year was last year was tough. I mean, it was every single week was like a super stressful week. I mean, it was never. Yeah, even our our wins were tough. Our losses were bad. I mean, it was – I really don't want to do that again. So (laughs) – It's definitely tough, though, because we – I think New New England and Minnesota probably suffered the most from opt-outs and from injuries. Because, like, New England loses Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, a couple O-linemen. Minnesota, you lose probably your best player in Daniil Hunter due to injury. Michael Pierce, who you bring in on – uh, three-year, like, $18 million contract. You think he's going to be your big-time run stuffer? He opts out. And then just being banged up. Like, the New Orleans game, you had pretty much just all rookies playing and yeah. guys that were practice squad guys. Like, uh, Hercules was playing, um, James Lynch. You had – Wonham was, like, your number one guy. Troy Dye was playing the whole game. So – that was definitely a tough one to watch Troy die play a tough one to advocate for him being the number one linebacker. We just like, we like <laughs> couldn't catch a break. Like what, uh, when did, uh, Kendrick get hurt in the warmups against like the Jags, I think. Yeah. Just pulls a calf and it's like, what do you mean? It's just like, we had the worst luck on defense offense. I actually saw like, we were like one of the healthiest teams on offense, which like knock on wood there. I mean, that's just like, that like doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. So like, it was like this guy, he threw out a tweet. It was like, get ready to come back down to earth. Like that just like won't ever happen again, but we'll see. I think I'm hoping like the offense is just going to be fast. I mean, it's, I think the Vikes are going to play really fast next year as a whole, just mm-hmm. like how good our offense is. And I think, I think defense is like not going to be on the field because I think they're, they're going to put up so many threes and outs and stuff like that. I need some turnovers. Like, I think it's just going to be, oh, like I said, too, like I'm way too excited for this, but I think the Vikes are just going to be so dominant. And, I mean, that's – look at the NFC North. We got Stafford out yep. now. Anytime you play the Lions, you always got to respect that he's there. He's gone. Goff is not good. Um, I mean, Goff was a half-decent quarterback. Like, I think he's not as – not that bad, but he doesn't have any weapons like he did in L.A. Like, he had Cooper Cup, Gerald Everett, Robert yeah. Woods, and he had a three-headed monster at running back in L.A. Yeah, now it's just bad. like, look at, Literally, look at what he had. Yeah. He's Lonzo Swift now and T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah. 
That'll be tough. And then it's like, who knows what happens with the Packers? That would be obviously ideal. I love and seeing them botch the draft the way they did, taking a Stokes the corner and then drafting a receiver in like the third round. It's that, like their last their last ditch effort to like try and make him happy. And they're it's like it's almost like they already have their minds made up, but yeah. I don't know. That would just be absolutely crazy. And then depending on what the Bears do, like if they run out with fields on day one starter, it's like rookies just like don't rookie QBs like don't do well you know like they do fine I mean Herbert won rookie of the year and I mean it was it was all right it was like good for a rookie but like if you looked at like other QBs in the league I mean it wasn't anything spectacular so not at all so uh, I think the divisions if if Rodgers is out the division becomes the Vikings to lose yeah exactly which is a tough position to be in because you 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 don't want to be in that. Like you want to be in that position, but you also don't want it to come down to you losing games to like out of conference teams and just like, like a team you should beat. Like Cincinnati, if you lose that game, that's a tough one to come back from and try to explain. But it, I, I like the the way the season could look. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think the schedule's fine. <clears throat> I think the bye week is a little early. Yes. Now I think they'll have like 10 straight games. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, you know, we, if we make it in the playoffs, like that's just, it's really long. And now they added that extra week and I don't know, we'll see. I think I had them like, I think I'm thinking they will be like 12 and five or 11 and six, um, all that. things considered, um, but we'll that. see. Yeah. Um, receiver. You've got the one, two, you've got Thielen and Jefferson. They've been talking about signing DD Westbrook. They've drafted, Smith Marset out of Iowa. Who do you think the number three guy is going to be? Because I hope it's not like Chad Beebe or Olabisi Johnson. Um, it, it's a, a big drop off between one two, but I mean, when your one two is that good, you can't complain. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, you want a wide receiver three just for like wide receiver three sake, mm-hmm. uh, just because like that, like that, like that fills out your offense. Yep. And yeah, like you said, it's a humongous drop off. Like I just, yeah, I hope it, I, whoever it is, I hope it's not BC or BB. Uh, Aditi Westbrook would be sick. And then, I mean, who knows with Marset? I mean, Iowa isn't like a huge passing offense. And yeah. like, so he may do with kind of what he had, but I mean, he's also like a big time returner, which I like that. Cause we need that still, but I mean, Westbrook, I like a lot. I mean, that would be sick if we signed him because that would just, like, bridge that gap, like you said, yeah. of that drop-off. But, I mean, dude, if Justin Jefferson does what he did last year, or, I mean, he's saying how much he's going to be better, and it's like, dude, I was happy with last year. but I'm so excited to watch him play next year. It's, it's going to be unreal. Dude, after he's got a year in the league, like, he was already doing what, you know, like, five, six-year guys do, and – it's just nuts. Like thinking that like we have, you know, like we could possibly have like the next Vikings, like Randy Moss or something. And like, we get to watch that and experience that. Like, that's what I'm excited for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, they, they did address the returner position too. Like you said, with uh, Smith Marset and they brought in, in, in Wangwu, the running back from Iowa state, I guess he, I watched a little bit of his film. He's a, I guess a really good returner. So 
Returner seems filled out, which is definitely was a gap last year when KJ Osborne was your guy. And it's always tough having a rookie returner, but he also wasn't a great returner when he was with Miami. So yeah, now you've got two guys that are experienced with it. It could be though that could be the big plays that win us games against like Baltimore and stuff like that. Exactly. And I, like, I like keeping Amir Abdullah there too. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, what we have at running back is nuts. Just like, just the packages we can roll out with. And then um, just like Abdullah being that veteran for just like bridging the gap as well. And yeah, special teams as a whole though, like that was brutal last year. It, I mean, that, that literally wins and loses you and stuff like that. Yeah. You can't that wins games. Yeah. Um, last guy I want to talk about Zach Davidson, the tight end from central Missouri. I love this pick here. Just he's a small school guy. Um, I, I, I hope he makes the roster as like the tight end three behind mm. Irv Smith and uh, Conklin. I think he, and he also, he was a punter at central Missouri too, which is pretty, awesome. he was a nasty punter. Yeah, I mean, we have, like, fairly good luck with tight ends and stuff, like, just kind of them playing out and, like, the picks that we make. Because, I mean, whoever would have thought, like, Conklin would be as good as he is. Like, last year he was great. Yeah. And I feel like nobody even knows who Herb Smith is. But, I mean, he's going to be top ten easy. I think he's a better Evan Ingram. Better hands than Evan Ingram, and they play the same. They're both quick and athletic. Both big and athletic, and I love that. But, yeah, I mean, uh, is it Zach Davidson? Yep, Zach Davidson. Yeah, I mean, he's just like this little quick dude. I mean, he's like another receiver, which, yeah. like, would be sick in some of the packages that we run. I mean, we're obviously going to be run first. We always are. But, like, Kirk's going to let it absolutely fly this year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm completely here for it. Uh, free agency with the guys that were lost. How do you feel? Because Rudolph goes to the Giants. Um, losing Eric Wilson to the Eagles was tough, especially for the contract they signed him to, where it was a one-year, $3 million deal. I think Anthony Harris, you knew, what, had one foot out the door, which I'm fine losing him because there, he wasn't going to play under the franchise tag again. But, uh, but you also bring in Xavier Woods. You bring in Dalvin Tomlinson, Pat Pete, uh, Nick Vigil. So, like, those are some pretty big – pickups to fill holes that you had yeah I think with the guys leaving I don't think I was like surprised by any I mean Rudy was done like we knew that and like you said with Harris last year was like a make it or break it year and he absolutely broke it like it was so bad um some of the plays that he made it was just it was awful like the league interceptions the year before to like just under he underperformed by a mile it was, it was disappointing to see yeah dude it was so bad and then I think Eric Wilson I think he did I think he really just did well with like what he was dealt last year I don't think it'll be like that big of a miss but like the what they signed him for it's like okay yeah we easily could have done that but it's just it's gonna be we got someone coming right like vigils big and then like Chaz hopefully it's just gonna be I just get annoyed when we let guys go who like are role players. And then it's like, you have to kind of go through a whole new process of like that guy coming in, not knowing what he's going to do and then learning it all over again. Yeah. Um, and that's just like kind of how it works out, I guess. But I mean, for the guys that left and then the guys that we signed, 
I think we still like won with um, signings more so. Yeah, I mean, you, you the the big one, I think, not even the big one, but like Riley Reef leaving after having a really good year, but you're able to fill that with Darasaw is what makes it worth it because and while he did have his best year probably of his career last year, it wasn't a great year for Riley Reef. So, but, and then you lose Dakota Dozier, or no, you don't lose Dakota Dozier. He resigns, which is, so disappointing. Uh, yeah, he touches the field. <laughs> he was he that, was the one that got thrown by Buckner in the Colts game. Like, uh, no, that was uh, was that Samia? Yeah, I, I mean, it too. They're both so bad. It's crazy, like how I just it. I mean, by any means, playing O line and D line in the NFL. Like, the physicality there is just unmatched, but, dude, I mean, that's bad. <laughs> he literally got thrown into Cousins. Like He left the that, ground. Yeah, and Buckner just, like, one arm or two arms just threw him. It was, it was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. And then, yeah, I mean, and now that's just, like, a huge highlight for the Colts. And, dude, they run it, like, every other week, I swear. That's how much I see it, and it's just – can't wait till the next year. It's like, hopefully they never touch the field and we can forget about it. But yeah, O-line was brutal last year and I'm really excited for what we brought in. Let's just say that. Yeah, that it's, it's definitely, like you said, uh, we can't get too excited, but you, you really want to, which is uh, the, the tough part. I can say, I don't want to get too excited as much as I want, but I'm already way too excited. So yeah. Now, Something I didn't know, you're a big Bachelor fan, too. I actually, yeah, we definitely got into it. And uh, I definitely like tweeting about it as much as I did. But I liked, so we watched, we've watched Bachelorette before. And that's like, we like that a lot more. Bachelor this year got a little, like, too catty for me and like a little bit, Cause we didn't even finish it. Like we, yeah. Yeah. My fiance found out like who won and we were watching it more because my fiance actually went to school with Abigail. Oh really? Yeah. So we were watching it and like, she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure she makes it like super far. And then she obviously did, which Abigail should have won. Yes. Uh, she, I mean, she took herself out of the game cause she knew that Matt was just Matt was the worst. I mean, he he literally he didn't know what he wanted, and, and he's he on was a show. crying every episode too, which was just yeah, so, it, it was so hard to watch that because you're like, I uh, this is not what I'm here to see, dude. It was brutal, but like Bachelorette, I love like all the guys are just like there's obviously a couple guys who like end up hating each other, but they're all just like chilling out. They're like here for a good time. And then it's a little more like their challenges are like a little more athletic. And I like, it. I kind of like watching that a little more, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Bachelor was just, it was tough toward the end. And then obviously like my favorites didn't win. So then I was like, yeah, I'm done. This, this was the first year my buddies and I, uh, we were all home from school. So we like one night were like, Hey, like let's, let's try watching, watching it. Like we'd never seen it before. And we were the first night when they're like all arguing and they're doing the rose ceremony, we had no clue how it worked. So we're, trying to figure all this stuff out while we're watching it. We're like, and uh, one of them went back to school. So we were texting each other as we're watching it. We're like, did you see that? Like, that's crazy. And I think 
the biggest one was uh, the queen, the girl. We, oh. She was the worst, but we loved watching her just because it was pure entertainment. I mean, that's like why she's there. That's why she was kept like it is still a show and they yeah. still have ratings and views. You know, I mean, that's they're bringing that in just for that. But uh, yeah, it was actually pretty fun this year. Uh, one of my coworkers found out that I was watching The Bachelor and she invited me into her Bachelor Fantasy League. Okay. And I'm like obsessed with fantasy. I'm trying out like baseball and basketball right now. Super hard. Fantasy football is kind of where I'll stick, but yep. the Bachelor Fantasy was nuts. So you pick like, you pick like, you know, depending on the girls, like five or six girls a week and then it obviously goes down. And then there's just like little things like, some it was like minus five points for if uh this girl gets like too drunk or like plus 20 for like opening up a champagne bottle like it's super little stuff and I actually I didn't do so well but it was still just like addicting and then like that made me watch it a little more yeah because like I'm a little more invested even though we were invested already with uh knowing Abigail a little bit but yeah I mean I'll probably I mean I'll definitely still keep watching that's for sure my so my friends and I kind of did that. We didn't realize that there were actual like websites to set up a bachelor league. So we went through all the girls the first night and we just like it was three of us. So we drafted and threw it in an Excel sheet and we okay. did it like it, we just went by whoever got eliminated. Like so whoever had the most people standing or whoever had the one one person that wins would win. And one of my buddies through like the first five weeks didn't have a person eliminated. And my other friend and I would just X out names. It was so bad. But yeah, I think next year we're going to try to do the actual bachelor league on uh, one of the websites, which I, I found out about it like halfway through. I'm like, this is unreal. This is so cool. Oh yeah. It's, they really break it down and there's a lot of ways to score. So it's, it just keeps like it said, like it just keeps you more invested. And this yeah. year was tough too, because like, like I said, mattress sucked. So like he never picked anyone that I wanted or like he always picked the opposite. So of course I was a little more invested, which meant I obviously like got more pissed or more happy with stuff that happened, but all in all, it was good. Yeah. Now you say you're getting, you're trying out fantasy. I tried fantasy baseball before in high school. It's so hard to keep up with. I have no clue. Like I didn't realize like when to set your lineup and stuff like that. And especially with pitchers, it's impossible because you got to know when they're going to start or the rotation. So I would get, I love drafting for fantasy. And then I get like two weeks into fantasy baseball or basketball and I immediately forget I have a team. Football is different, but other sports, you just, I completely abandon it. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to get in the habit of like waking up and setting my lineup. And it was really hard when I, when basketball and baseball like crossed over. Cause I mean, that's an everyday thing, you know, sun, Sundays it's, it's easy. You just do it yeah. once a week and whatever. But uh, yeah, and then baseball, this is my first year doing baseball and the roster we have, just like the way my buddy set it up, it's a humongous roster. Oh, really? And there's just like so many guys. And then I don't have, I don't have an injured reserve either. So like my bench right now is just guys that are hurt. And it's like, do you drop a guy and then like let him go to someone else when he comes back and stuff like that? And then like yeah, the pitching is tough. I don't know. I'm trying to be invested and, in, but I'm also own five. So it's been, it's been a grind. I can tell you that. Um, 
yeah, the fantasy baseball is, is, is very tough. And like you said, the football, it's so nice because you wake up Thursday morning, you set your, you check your lineup if you've got anybody going, and then Sunday morning you wake up and check. It's like, okay, I here's who I want to start. And then you can just sit back and kind of relax. Yeah, it's easy. But, I mean, I'm just addicted to fantasy, though, so I'll try and keep it going a little bit. Now, I deleted TikTok because with uh, I was just on it too much, uh, especially with school. I was like, I, I need to just get rid of it. So I haven't been keeping up on the burritos. But uh, w- what's been like a new one for you that you've uh, found out to be your favorite uh, or one that you just had that was very, very bad? Like uh, you hope nobody requests it ever again. Honestly, I've had, I haven't had too many bad ones. Uh, there's some that like, I think it's on me. Like, I don't really like season it enough or cook it right. But like, I actually, I mean, I made like a SpaghettiOs one. Ooh. And that just like, it didn't work at all. And like, I try to prod myself on like wrapping really well. That had to just and, be sloppy. Oh yeah. It, I mean, it was gross. But I mean, like, it, it looked awful. It didn't even taste good, but. Weirdly enough, yesterday SpaghettiOs hit me up on TikTok and they're like sending me a care package. No way. God knows what that's going to be. It's just going to be like a lifetime supply of SpaghettiOs, but here we go. That's that's cool, but that also, that's brutal with it being one of the, one of the worst burritos that that's. I know. I was like, they were like, yeah, we saw how much you love SpaghettiOs, blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, it didn't work like at all, but we'll take it. But, uh, it is kind of a, it is kind of annoying, like a little bit, like we try to cook and try and be healthy and stuff. And I like put those in burritos and like those burritos, like don't do that well on TikTok. And then once I do like a fast food burrito, just, like, and it's just like, I don't want to just like be eating fast food all the time, yep. but it goes from like, yeah, the fast food ones just like take off and I just like get a little disheartened, but. It's, I mean, it's still, I'm getting followers every day and stuff like that. Cause like just the other day, my fiance was like, when are you like going to stop? And I was like, I mean, if, if people like stop liking what I'm doing, like, obviously that's just like a natural way to be like, all right, I got to hang it up. But I mean, I still get like 500 to a thousand followers like each day. So, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm up over, I don't know, like 110 K something like that. And then it's just like to keep like, see that, like I follow this guy, uh, rap God mm-hmm. and he he's over, I think he's in the UK and I started following him at like 130 K and stuff like that. And now he's like over half a mil cool. and it's just like, it's weird how like the algorithm like works on TikTok and stuff like that. And like, you kind of hit new pockets of people and cause there's days where I won't get a lot of followers. And then there's days where, I just like go off. So I don't really know how that works. I'm sure a little more tech savvy would kind of work that a little better, but I'm just, I post what I eat for lunch and then I just set it and forget it. I try to not be on TikTok any much longer than just recording it, Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's working. So we'll just keep it going. Has any um, like a Chipotle or a Moe's reached out to you about working there? Because it seems like you've gotten the rap almost down from what I remember from the last few videos I seen it it was getting there it seemed like the rap was just about perfected yeah I mean I don't want to toot my own horn but I can definitely roll a mean burrito nowadays uh 
nobody's like hit me up i was i've i've kind of sent out some feelers to like some tortilla brands but sponsorship yeah yeah they're just like get out of my emails man like we're not going to sponsor you i just get i just get left on red but whatever uh because i mean it it also can be it sounds really dumb but like it can be a grind like eating a burrito every single day i didn't really want this <laughs> didn't expect this to be my life but <laughs> kind of weird where we're at and uh like i said we'll keep it going like uh like all my athletes found me on tiktok like right away so then like now it's like i owe I owe two burritos to like my soccer goalie. Uh, he was like, if I get, if I get a shutout, I should get a burrito. And then if I get a win, I should get a burrito. And then of course our last game, we got the dub and a shutout. So I owe him some burritos. I've made like my coaches, some burritos. It's just, uh, it's just so weird. I can't even explain it. it it's, it, it's a curse. You, you, you fall right into it. And now, and now you're, you, you can't get out of it. Yeah. So I'm waiting for like a natural way for it to stop. But like, I just, I honestly like don't see an end in sight, but we'll see. I have a super busy summer, so it'll definitely be a bit of a grind. Like this weekend's like my last weekend that I have off until like mid July. And then I go right into work in August. So we'll see how much I really do love burritos. I think through this summer. No, you've been golf. It seems like you've been golfing a lot. I, when I messaged you about coming on, you said you were playing 36 the next day. Yeah. Which, so have you been getting out, uh, get them out this year? Yeah, I've, I mean, I probably golf, I don't know, three to four times a week. Um, I'm kind of like in a little makeshift league with some of my coaches uh, from school. And then, I mean, the weekends you obviously get out. And then I usually try to walk uh, once or twice a week as well. Because last year was kind of my first year golfing, uh, you know, like actually saying I golf. Mm -hmm. And now this year we have like a little membership that's like statewide here in Minnesota. So like I pay like, you know, a fee each month and then I pretty much golf for free uh, okay. from course to course. Like, and there's a bunch of courses on, on it as well. So try to get out. Uh, I was hitting it well like a week or two ago and then slow pitch softball started up. Oh, and okay. now my swing, I don't even know where it is right now, but it is not under control, but did, we'll did see. I'm playing. You, did you adapt the baseball swing to your golf swing? Like, did it start turning into that a little bit? Dude, something happened and now it's just straight up embarrassing to, I was playing with my coaches yesterday and they're all, just a bunch of old dudes that just stripe it. And it was, it was bad. We were driving all over the course and I, I dipped out. I only played 27. I was like, I, I can't finish. And I, I don't know if I've quit that many things, but I was like, made up some excuse that I had plans. I did have plans, but I, they could have waited, but I was like, I gotta go. Golf will do that to you. It, it's, it's a, it's a brutal game. It just tears you down. And, but like, and then like, okay, yeah, you'll get like a birdie on 18 and you're like, okay, I'm back. Like, let's just it always, it always, you'll have one shot. Like me, I'm, I'm not very good at golf. So like I have enough decent shots where I'm staying in the fairway or I'll hit the green on something where it's like, you know, maybe I, I'm going to play next week or I'm going to play tomorrow. <laughs> like I, I, I could be getting good at this. And then you have a same thing happens. Like you play really bad. Then you hit like the 16th. 
hole and you're uh you hit like a nice shot down the fairway nice shot to the green you're like you know what i'm gonna keep doing this yeah and i mean it, it brings you back harder than like it takes you a while to get beaten down but like it one good shot will bring you up so much further than you are down so and now it's like i got so much money put into it too it's like i can't i can't stop i gotta keep going it's a vicious cycle it really is oh yeah no it's bad no is this your first year doing slow pitch softball or are you a soft We actually – so when we were in Fargo, I played on some men's leagues, and they were, like, super competitive, and uh, they were fun. And I just – I don't know. I don't really I, – I get really competitive, mm-hmm. and it's, like, almost, like, toxic at times, like how competitive I get. Yep. So – and now it's – I don't even know if it's better or worse, but we just kind of have, like, a co-ed league, and we got a bunch of – uh, like, so being from Augsburg, we're the Augie Doggies, and we got a bunch of uh, just Augsburg alums, and we're bad. I mean, it's literally, we're so bad. Um, but, I mean, you get, to, you get to bring some beers, bring the cooler, and then hit up the VFW afterward. And it's just something to do during the summer. Like, it's on, we play, like, Tuesday nights, and so it's yeah. something to do earlier in the week because, I mean, I don't work in the summer, so I'm kind of just – waiting for each weekend to weekend when my friends actually have work off that's pretty sweet though so what 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 kind of player would you say you are Are you more of a power guy or are you are you a a solid fielder are you just kind of well-rounded altogether like what like what player Um, would you compare your game best to what player um weirdly enough i don't know so i pitch for our team which pitching is just that's also awful uh, it's super stressful and like it literally teeters on you, but it's also like you're, you're serving up pitches for him. Yeah. I would definitely, I'd probably go with like a little bit of like a Pete Alonzo maybe. Okay. Just like a, I try to swing super hard and pretty much every time I swing hard, it doesn't go anywhere. And then when I'm like not trying, that's when it like actually goes, which also just like, that's another piece to like, not trying to swing as hard and that's also playing into golf and such and I just like don't do that very well I try to put too much pressure on myself and that's what happens but I definitely had more power back in the day when I had some weight on me but uh, now I just try to like we only get two home runs so I try to like keep it down yeah and then if we hit over two then it's outs and then like yeah so it's tough and then like the other day me and my buddy back to back just like used our home runs in the first inning and like it then the game was super long after that I mean I think we lost 20 to 5 yeah it's brutal and then like there's a run limit and like we're not like super mad like if we get run ruled in both games we just can like get to the VFW a little sooner yeah what with the with like you were saying with the power swings with golf, that's the biggest thing because I, I always try like first couple holes. I'm swinging out of my shoes like I'm I'm trying to be like Deshambo, and then you hit the back nine. You just you stop kind of caring, and you're swinging a lot looser. And it, that's when the the false confidence comes into play because you're hitting nice shots, and then like I said, it's a vicious cycle. You come back out on the course a couple of days later, and you're back to swinging out of your shoes. Yeah, straight up. I mean, it's kind of it's funny to see it with the pros. So like what Bryson's doing to golf right now, he's like literally throwing it all off. Mm-hmm. All these guys are trying to, you know, swing harder and get it to where he's hitting it. 
And it's kind of nice to see them, you know, fail at times because it's like, it's frustrating, but also awesome to watch how good they are. Yep. But then it's like, oh, wait, they actually are like humans as well. They're just like us, like trying to drive the long ball or hit those nice shots. And it is crazy with um, just like letting the, it's like the oldest saying, it's like, let the club do the work. Yep. And like you said, on the back nine, when you don't care, you're like, whatever, you're like loosey goosey. And it just like works. It's yep. Back to it. Vicious cycle. Yeah. The thing, the thing with Bryson too, is he's not a great golfer overall too. Like his short game is not great. Like when he played at the masters, he got tore apart by guys that were 65 years old. Yeah. Um, so it's also funny to see guys chasing him in the way that they're trying to bomb the ball down, down the fairway. So I, I find that part funny too, where guys are chasing him when he's not even, a, a really a top dog when it comes to the leaderboard yeah it's kind of just they kind of go from you know what's what's like what's shiny at the time like that it's like ooh, I'm gonna try and do that or like it's like trying to change golf when it's just really hard to change that sport it's like gotta be one of the oldest sports out there and oh definitely like trying to change it and like they're trying to change it fast like imagine how much has changed like over all these years like not a whole lot really but like these guys want to go from like tournament to tournament like changing up their game and it's like that's I feel like that would just be like way too fast this is also from like I don't even know what I'm talking about that's just what I like think it it sounds right to me so I'll I'll go along with it yeah we'll just nod our heads and keep it going um Mac I appreciate you coming on uh love talking Vikings get you back on before the season starts to uh talk about our hopes and dreams. And then at the end of the season, when they're, when they're all crushed. But uh, one question we started asking a lot of people, a lot of former athletes, athletes we have on, I'm very curious uh, what people listen to before games. So do you remember what, like three songs you would listen to before a game in college? Like what, what that would be, or if you just had a cut, like one certain one that was always on repeat. Um. I think we had – so one big thing that I would watch before each game is, like, the gladiator scene. Um, You're not the first person to say that, which I think is pretty cool. That's uh, Yeah, that was a big one that I'd watch. And I kind of had – I didn't play, like, a whole lot early on. And then even later, like, I I was never, like, going to be out there on, like, the first play. So I kind of had a hard time, like, getting ready for games. But I was definitely a big DMX guy. Um and that, that, I mean, that like hit me a lot harder than I thought it would with him passing. It's crazy. Um, it's so but sad. But I just like it brought me like back to college. Um, I don't know. Then like senior year was definitely like Jordan Belfort. Uh, that was okay. like, one of our, that was one of our big songs. And then it's completely blanking on me. This song that we had on all the time in the locker room, but it was like our anthem. And I hate myself right now for not, remembering it but then uh coming undone by corn i like that a lot all right and then i was a big disturbed guy yeah big like heavy metal when i was in college which and then it kind of changed a little bit when i went to augsburg it's like an inner city school so i listened to like a lot more rap and hip-hop and stuff but yeah big yeah um disturbed was definitely my go-to i think the best one of like my favorite pregame songs is one by metallica I mean, if you have eight minutes before the game starts, then you can listen to it. But the intro to it is amazing where it's like the gunfire and 
the like people yelling in the background. I, I love listening to that, but I mean, you also have to carve out a nice, like I said, eight to 10 minutes to listen yeah, to you gotta, You got to time it out for sure. But uh, yeah, I think that the heavy metal you can't go wrong with, whether it's Metallica, Disturbed. I love uh, System of a Down. It's great to listen to before games, but yeah, the heavy metal you can't go wrong with. Yeah. Mac, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can everybody find you on TikTok? Yeah, it's burrito.mac. And then I think all my other handles are like Mac Daddy Diesel. Okay. Uh, so yeah, just throw it out there. I love, love new followers each day, meeting new people. But yeah, and then Andrew, I really appreciate it. I love coming on here and I'm looking forward to hopefully the next time I'm back on. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll try to plan out like one or two weeks before the season starts. Um, so are you a big college football guy too? Yeah. So are you, are you a Minnesota fan, a Golden Gophers fan? Dude, I'm Minnesota everything through and through. I just like, uh, I like pain, I guess. Yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, as a, I'm only a Vikings fan, so I can't imagine being a T-Wolves, Twins, uh, a Wild fan. Don't do it, man. It's a trap. <laughs> um, but, but before I let you, actually, one more. Are you a fan of P.J. Fleck with Minnesota? I am. I, uh, I think the only way it works is that he's in college and, you know, he deals with young men and like, you know, they're kids yeah. and it's kind of like that rah, rah type of stuff that I think it works. I think it really does. And like, I know one of my, a kid I went to, I guess I wasn't in high school with him at the time, but I uh, played with his brother and he's actually like, he's going to get drafted um, next year for sure. Connor Olson, he's one of our guards. Um, and like, I just see like how he presents himself and like how much he likes PJ Fleck. And like that, like, that's enough for me, like personally knowing someone that likes the coach and he's kind of getting run through the media right now, uh, with supposedly something came out where like, he's like too hard on his players or whatever like that. But, and then, but the whole program backed him up and like seeing that's enough too, but I definitely would, uh, we were good. You know, we had some glimpses of kind of what the team could be and like, you know, kind of we we're getting the ax a couple of years ago and stuff like that. But I think it works, but you know, like you just, that's how it works is people want to see you win. And if you don't win, then you're going to get run through some things and being people being skeptical, but yeah, all in all, I like them. Definitely. All right, go follow him on TikTok at burrito.mac. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on and thank you for listening to this episode of the My Parents Office podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes we're going to be bringing to you guys. Thank you. When I found somebody, you tried to pull us apart. You wild behind the scenes, saying around you, thinking like gold and diamond rings, and noise and finding things, and you will find as hell while